I mean, how can you not get excited? We ran out of that grave. He called our name, right? From death to life. It doesn't get more exciting than that. Church, we got to be excited. This is Wednesday night. This is exciting night. This is Miracle Wednesday. That's what Pastor Nett says. <laughs> right? We're gathered together in his name. The Bible tells us wherever people are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst of them, right? So he just walked into our room. We don't just think about it. It's real, right? So let's keep in that attitude. Um, this week, where I don't know when it was, I was reading um, one of Dr. Savell's books. And within that book, I came across a Kenneth Hagin prophecy. And it grabbed my attention because in the opening paragraph, it had like three words that were like recent to us, heritage. And so I want to read, I want to start by reading this um, prophecy. And um, only parts of it were in the book, so I'll read you the parts that were in there. He said, Kenneth Hagin said, The move of God that is already at work in the world will be accelerated. It will increase tenfold and then a hundredfold. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will gain in momentum, and men will see the light of God shining bright within us. Yes. Yes. That was Kenneth Hagin. The first one was me. This one was Kenneth Hagin. Yes, you will see signs, and yes, you will see wonders. But first, you must learn to yield to my spirit. If you could only see what I am about to do in the earth, it would overwhelm you. Virtually whole nations shall be turned unto me. Monday night prayer team, did you get that? Virtually whole nations shall be turned unto me. We prayed over the nations just this past Monday. And there shall be those who will be flaming evangelists, going with a voice like a flame of fire, accompanied and equipped with the gifts of healings and working of miracles. And you will see the greatest manifestations of the power of God since the days of Christ Jesus himself. Yes, even greater than what is seen in the book of Acts. Oh, Lord, we receive it. Come on, church, let's just receive it. Let's praise him. We thank you for that word. Father, we thank you for momentum, hundredfold, the greatest miracles and wonders the world has ever yet seen. Father, we put our faith on that. We agree. We agree. Father, we believe you and we believe the prophets. And Father, in that we are established and we prosper. Hallelujah. Well, you all know Pastor Justin's preached a series on momentum. And Dr. Savell's talking about hundredfold. <laughs> right now, the year of the Lord to us for 2023. So let's talk about momentum. Let's talk about that tonight. Tonight, the title of my message is gaining momentum and keeping it. Because we don't just want to get it, we want to keep it. Amen? So what does it look like? What's momentum look like? How do you get it? And why don't people have it? Let's talk about that. So what does it look like? I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what it looks like, spiritually speaking. Things just get better and better, bigger and bigger, quality to better quality, glory to glory, Bible term, right? That's what momentum looks like. But how do you get it and why don't people have it? And this is where I think maybe our, we probably wouldn't be as confident in our answer unless we sat and really thought about it. So I did. <laughs> The short answer, how do you get it and why don't people have it? You can write this down, short answer, and then we're going to get to the long answer. Short answer is walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. That's what you're going to find throughout all the stories I'm about to tell you. Now, this is Wednesday night Bible study, right? Encounter God. So get your childlike faith up like we're back in, you know, kids' church, right, where you hear the word and you believe the word. And you hear the Bible stories, and you soak them in, right? So I might tell you some stories tonight that you remember, maybe, maybe not. But um, we have a lot to get through, so listen fast. Let's start in Judges. Judges 4 and 5. We're going to talk about a lot of stories tonight because I want you to see what it looks like in the Word of God. In Judges chapter 4 and 5, we have the story of the Israelites who are, unfortunately... Um, captives in captivity to the Canaanites. And they've been in captivity for 20 long years. So it's not going well for them, okay? Um, they've been harshly oppressed by them, and it's not, it's not great. So we have come on the scene this wonderful woman named Deborah. And she's a prophetess to Israel. And she's the judge over Israel during this time. And right in, um, in these chapters, Deborah 
hears from God, and she goes to the commander of the army. And she tells him that it's time to deploy the troops, and God would deliver the Canaanites into their hands. Like, we're done with this captivity thing, right? (laughs) So um, they listen. The army goes out with her. They require her to go with them. So they go out, and they win. And if you read, according to Deborah, she, in chapter, the verse of chapter 5, when she starts singing the victory song after it's all said and done, her opening line is, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves. So that's why she says they win, right? And so it's because the rulers came together and led, and the people and the rulers offered themselves willingly. So they believed Deborah. So we know the verse in uh, Chronicles Right, believe. Second Chronicles, I think it's twenty twenty. Believe in the in the um, believe in the Lord, and you will be established. Believe His prophets, and you will prosper. And that's exactly what happened here in this story. So once they were saved from the Canaanites, they had forty years of prosperity. Now that's gaining momentum from captivity to forty years of like amazingness and peace and prosperity and great times. That's that's what we're looking for, right? Above, our, above the enemies in the land, right? Well, how did they get it? Well, they obeyed the prophets. And if you read through the story, the people came together to fight. There was different tribes, and they all came together, not all. The majority of them, because all you need is a good core. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? You don't need everybody. You just need a really good core of people who actually believe, right? So they came together, and they won. However, the beginning of the story in Judges chapter 4, tells us why they didn't have momentum. Like, how did they end up here? It says, The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's how you stop momentum, right? Pretty simple. Pretty simple. So, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and that's how they ended up in captivity. Now, let me remind you, 1 Corinthians ten eleven tells us that all these things happened in the Bible as examples to us, and they were written for our admonition. So that's why we're going to go over the stories tonight, because they're supposed to be examples to us, so that we would learn. Don't you love by learning from someone else's failure? I know I do. If I can learn from somebody else, I'm going to. All right, so let's read on. So they didn't have it. Let's read on. Let's go. Let's see. We went to four, five, and six. So hey, 40 years of prosperity. That's awesome. And then chapter six. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what stopped momentum? Sin. Sin will stop momentum flat. Screeching halt. Right? So here they are. Now they're in the hands of the Midians, the Midianites, for seven long years. Seven long years they're doing this. And why? Why, why did they sin? Verse 10 tells us. God says, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites, but you did not obey my voice. So fear is what will cause you to sin. What's sin? Sin in its simplest form, what is sin? Not believing in God. Not relying on God. Relying on something other than God, because you don't believe in God. You don't believe he's enough. So you got to find something else. Right? If they actually believed their God was big enough and strong enough and mighty enough, why would they ever fear the gods of the Amorites? Right? So fear will get you into sin. Right? And we know that over and over again from the story of Israel in the Bible. All right. So they got tired. And so, done. What do you do? What do you do when you're not in momentum anymore? What do you do? Um, take the lesson from Israel It says in verse 6, so Israel was greatly impoverished. Talk about no momentum. Because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Right? When your momentum comes to a screeching halt, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to God. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. Praise God. Thank God for anointed men and women who will speak into our lives, speak into our churches, right? Thank God that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. 
and I drove them out before you and gave you their land. Sounds like a pretty awesome God, right? And I said to you, and then he goes on to say, don't fear them, right? So what did God do? What's the keys here of gaining momentum? One, get fed up and cry out to God. We've heard that before from this pulpit, right? Get fed up. I think Dr. Savelle said, you got to get good and tired. And then you got to cry out to God. You want something different. And sometimes it's not in our ability to get that. We need God. Say that, I need God. I need God. There's a humility in telling God, I need you. Right? Where you, he's God and you're not. I'm not. So you cry out to God. That's key number one. So what, what all did God do in response? He's, one, he sent a prophet. To do what? To remind them who he was and what he was capable of. And that's why we come to church. Sometimes you just need to be reminded of who your God is and what he can do. And there's no better place than at church for that. Even in songs of worship. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but they call it songs of deliverance in the Bible. Sometimes you can sit here and you can sing and all of a sudden the words hit you. I hope the words hit you. I hope you mean what you sing. And they hit you, and all of a sudden, you're just like, that is right. That is right. That is right. (laughs) And it's like you just got delivered. Nothing changed in your life, but you did. You changed. And all of a sudden, you were above the situation, right? So he sent a prophet to remind them of who he was and what God was capable of. He said, I delivered you. I brought you out. He said that. He showed up. God showed up in the story. So we read on. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was there and which belonged to this guy, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon, you know, Gideon says, well, okay, great. Then why has all this happened to us? Gideon, sounds like some of us. <laughs> and then the Lord turned to him and said, doesn't even address it. Why has all this happened to us? Angel doesn't even respond, right? And doesn't, isn't that, you, you go complaining to God, he's not going to respond to your non-faith. God doesn't even hear that sometimes, I think. We cry out for help, that's faith. He wasn't crying out for help, he's like, why, why, why is all this happening to me? Gloom, despair, agony on me, right? Oh, yeah. The angel doesn't even respond and says, go in this might of yours and you will save Israel. I love that. I love a God who's action-oriented. When he says something, it's right. You know, I always said on, when, you're ble- when God calls you blessed, you're blessed. When he says, go in this might of yours, you've got might to go, right? It's awesome. So he, then he says to him, let's see, if I found favor, she says, send me a sign. He has an offering, da-da-da, all these things. Let me go back to my notes. So God shows up and reminds Gideon who he is and what Gideon is capable of, right? So God will remind you of who he is, what he's capable of. He'll remind you of who you are and what you're capable of. And then he reminds, let's see, goes on. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I love this story. You know, in this story, he tells Gideon, before he even goes to war or something, um, he tells, he goes and he first, and he shows up and he gives him instructions. Well, in verse 16, he says, surely I will be with you. That's encouraging. If the God of the universe who created heaven and earth, all the stars and everything on the earth is with you, good chance you're going to win. Right? And that's who's with us. So the third thing God reminds us of is, I am with you, which is a really, really good reminder, which I'm pretty sure Dr. Savelle just reminded of last message, right? This God that's for us, in us, with us, right? This is who's with us. So third reminder. And then God gives orders. Now, I love the orders that he gives Gideon because if you read on, he first tells him, remember they were in fear of other gods, right, and all this stuff. So he tells him, you go tear down the idol. Tear down the altar to this false god. The wooden image that's beside it, take it, burn it on the altar. Burn it on the altar. Well, he does all that, but he's so, like, worried about the people, he does it at night. Like, you know, while it's dark. Nobody will see me. 
Well, the next morning they wake up and they all see it and they're like, who's done this? Like, because remember, they're, fa- they're scared. They think these gods are going to take them out. These gods aren't even real, right? I mean, they, they just took the god and burned it on the fire. And I love Gideon's dad's response in verse 21. He's like, he says to all those who stand around, would you plead for Baal? Because they're like, you know, bring out your son. They come to him, bring out your son that he may die. He's torn down the altar of Baal. And because he's cut down the wooden image that was beside it. So the dad says, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put in death by mourning. If Baal is a god, let him plead for himself. Love it. Right? For real. Let's get real. If they're going to do something, go ahead, do it. If this god's for real, go for it. I love his response. So, first tear down the false gods. Well, what is that? That's repent. Say they're no good for you. You know they're no good. Turn away from them and turn to only me. In fact, burn it up so that I know that you know it's nothing. That's repentance. Remember Pastor Carla's message? If you, didn't, if you didn't hear her message on the Wednesday, the last time she spoke on a Wednesday night, oh my goodness, it was so good. Because it had to do kind of with momentum because she was talking about revival. What is revival if not momentum? Right? And one of the keys about that was repentance, consecration. That means making yourself available only to God. Right? Turning to God. What an awesome story. So, after this, Gideon gets all these people. They're all like, it's momentum now. All the people, these, all these people start gathering to Gideon, like 30,000 people. You had one guy, one guy, one guy. And now momentum happens and there's 30,000, 30,000. So God looks at that and he gives them new orders. Okay, there's too many of you now. So why is there too many? Because he doesn't want them to think, and God says this, read on. God tells them, I don't want you to think that you won by your own strength. He doesn't want them to take the glory for themselves. This is a God thing, right? And that's a big lesson. Let's not think we're going to do this on our own. No matter how great a Christians are, no matter how happy you are and blessed and prosperous you are, if we turn this world upside down, it won't be because of us. <laughs> because let's just face it, I'm only happy, prosperous, and awesome because of God. He taught me everything I know, right? So God gives new orders, and he says, okay, there's too many of you, lest you say we did it. Tell all the fearful and afraid to go home. 22,000 scaredy cats. Leave. Mass exodus. What you thought was momentum because of numbers was not. 22,000 were gathered totally afraid. And God's like, you know, this isn't going to work. So 22,000 just turn around and go home. So what's the lesson in that? Believe. No fear. Remember the story of Deborah. No fear. We can't have fear, right? So now we're down to, whatever, 8,000, right? And God gives another instruction. And in that instruction, he's like, okay, take them to the river and drink. And then set this part. Whoever does this, set them over here. And whoever does this, set them over here. Well, what was the difference? They were drinking out of the water. Some of them were like, oh, oh, I got to have some water, right? And just put their mouth in the water. You ever felt like that? Dry, thirsty? Yeah, just give me the water. And the others like knelt down and like kept an eye on things, you know? Well, guess what? Those guys, there were only 300 of them. Those were the ones he kept. 300. We went from 30,000 to 300 in two eliminations. That would make a great TV show. You know, Survivor. So there's 300 left. Who were actually, and I, can, I, think, I think you could, what we could take away from that is stay mindful of the mission. Work with excellence. Those things are important to God. There's a difference. Apparently there was a difference. And it wasn't just nothing to God. It was a character issue. Right? It was. So we're down to 300, and they're all set, you know, to take on. And I mean... Give some credit where some credit is due. They went from 30,000 to 300, and those 300 were still, we can take him. See, all you need is a core of people who really believe God. <laughs> and you can do it. I'd like to think the Wednesday night crowd is that core. 
Do you know what I'm saying? You show up every Wednesday night. You hear from God. You do the word according to Pastor on Sunday, right? Yeah. Those of you watching online, I include you too. But we'd like you here. All right. So God shows up to Gideon, and Gideon's still a little tentative. He says, hey, the Midianites are yours. And he's like, but if you're still a little queasy, just go down to the camp and listen in to their conversation, right? So that's what Gideon does. He goes down to the camp. He sees a couple of guys talking. He leans in and listens. And one of them's telling the other one, look, dude, I just had a dream. And in this dream, a barley loaf tumbled into the camp. And I got to read the rest. Let's see. A barley loaf tumbles into the camp. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. And his buddy answered and said, it doesn't say buddy, it says companion. His companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. That's a great interpretation. Awesome, right? So God does what only God can do. See, when you obey and do everything you do, God will put his little extra in there for you right? He does the amazing. He does what's amazing, right? And so he adds, and he puts fear in the heart of the Midians. And so then they go to war against them, and guess who wins? Yep, Gideon. Serious momentum. Guess what happens after that? Peace for 40 years. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. So after, let me give you one more key. After the victories that Gideon gains, it says, the people come to Gideon, and they say to him, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson, for you delivered us. Gideon's response, I will not rule over you, nor my son. The Lord will rule over you. Give glory where it's due. Take no glory for yourself, right? Keep always before you who God is and stay humble before him. We are just servants, right? Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. I can do nothing of myself. It's the Father who does the works. Isn't that true? All we can do, what he, say what he says to say, and do what he says to do, that's our part. And then God is amazing. He's amazing. All right. So, how to gain momentum according to God and Gideon. One, listen to the prophet. Right? Another prophet was sent and told them who their God was. Number two, know your God and know who you are. Right? Number three, repent. Turn from and turn to. That's what repentance is, turning from something and turning to God. Number four, obey God. That's a good one. It's a really good one. Obey God. Good idea. Number five, unity. A core of believers of one mind and no fear can do anything God says. Unity is so important. Number six, I said excellence, another good key to gaining momentum. Number seven, relying on God because he's going to add his amazing. He's going to add the divine. He sent angel. He sent a dream, right? He can do that kind of stuff. And then number eight, continue in humility. Continue in humility. So, those are how to gain momentum. According to these stories, Deborah and Gideon, why didn't the people have momentum or what stopped it? How do you lose it? You know, number one, sin. Which again, it's not, the actions of your sin aren't your sin. The actions that we do is because we don't believe in God. People steal because they don't think God will get them. He's not the God of provision. You understand? People get worried because they don't know the God of peace. Shalom, wholeness, wellness, nothing missing, nothing broken, right? They don't believe in God. So, number one, sin. Number two, fear, which is really a root for sin, right? That's how sin happens is you get in fear. It's relying on things other than God, having no confidence in God. You get into fear. Number three, pride. That's the opposite of Gideon, remember? He, he stayed humble, but the devil, I'm warning you, will always try to get you into pride. 
He, will, he, tried it with, with, he did it with Adam and Eve. He did it with Jesus, and the, Jesus, right, when he tempted Jesus. If you're the son of God, like he fluffed him up. You're the son of God. Turn this stone into bread. Like, show me. Show me how awesome you are. That's, don't. Don't do anything the devil says. Only do what God says. That, that's the problem right there in the story. It's just don't even listen to him. He's not your God. He has no right to talk to you. Don't listen. Don't even respond. Or respond. Say in Jesus' name, get out of here. All right. So the devil will always try to get you in pride or fear or sin to get you back in sin. He'll always try those things. At the end of the Kenneth Copeland prophecy, I didn't read you entirely all of it. The very last line where it says, um, and you will see the greatest manifestations of the power of God since the days of Christ Jesus himself. Yes. Yes, even greater than what is seen in the book of Acts. It goes on to say, but be very, very careful, saith the Lord, that you give me the praise and the honor and take no glory unto yourself. The anointing will continue to increase. If you do that, the anointing will continue to increase. That's momentum, constant increase, going up, going higher, experiencing the maximum. Amen. So we got to make sure we stay out of sin, fear, and pride. Those are huge biggies. All right. Let me go on and give you a couple more short reminders, stories that you know. You remember the story of Elijah, powerful prophet of God. He faces off with the prophets of Baal. So many, right? And they do the whole altar thing. Poor Walter, if yours is the God or if mine is the God, whoever is really God type deal, right? They pour Walter, Walter, Walter. Elijah pours water on his altar. That was hard to say. Water on his altar, and God, their God doesn't do anything. I mean, they dance around, cut themselves, all these kinds of stuff. Nothing. Nothing happens. Elijah pours water on the altar, puts it the way it's supposed to be, and simply calls on God. Right? And God responds with fire. Talk about momentum. And then they kill all the prophets. It's a great day. Kill all the prophets of Baal, the false gods. It's a great day. I mean, talk about momentum. You just eliminated 300 enemies, right? So huge momentum. But then you know what happens. Because the devil doesn't like momentum. Can I get a... Right? He doesn't like momentum. So learn from these stories. He's going to come. But we're not ignorant of this. Right? We're not going to be ignorant of this. So what happens threatenings, right? Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, that's so real to Elijah. He just defeated 300 people and killed them. And one woman threatens to kill him, and he, like, starts running. And because he got in fear, what came next? Despair, loneliness. He thought, I'm the only one. He said, I'm the only one. That's lonely. Despair, loneliness, and then suicidal thoughts. See the progression from fear? When you forget about who your God is, you forget who you are, and that's a slippery slope. That was pretty quick, I think. From on top of the mountain to fear, despair, loneliness, suicidal thoughts. So some of us can relate to this. This is real life. This is real life. This really happens. So we have to take, that's why I said, these stories the Bible tells us are for our example. They're for our admonition so we can learn from them and not be ignorant of what the devil does so we can stay in gaining momentum and keeping it. Amen? All right. So stick with God. That's the story from Elijah. Just stick with God. Don't forget who your God is. Don't forget. So don't let fear in. Don't get your eyes off God. And then when I say that, doesn't that make you think of Peter on the water? The minute you take your eyes off God, it's when it starts. Keep your eyes on God. Church, we know God. God is real. You can depend on him. Let's act like it. Right? Let's make sure we believe it. And meditate on it till we know to the core of us that he is real. He cares. He cares. And he's going to make a difference. 
He is, he cares, and he's going to make a difference. Right? So that's what we need to remember. Never get your eyes off of God. Don't be Peter on the water. Get on the water and keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And then we can learn another lesson. How about the Israelites? Another lesson of keeping your eyes on God. We've got two armies on a battlefield facing off. And I mean, I'm sure the guys who joined the army thought they were the mighty army of Israel, right? But then the opposing army, a giant, huge guy steps out. And he wants to wrestle one. And I mean, Deborah's looking at Kermit. Kermit's looking at Vic. Vic's looking at Joseph. You go. (laughs) Right? I mean, that guy is big. What happened? The devil comes in and he wants to get your eye on this big, huge thing in front of you. And your eyes off your big, huge God who's delivered you, rescued you, saved you, healed you, prospered you. Brought peace to you, saved your kids, right? Oh my gosh, what a wonderful God we serve. But all we can see is this huge giant now. Why? Because we took our eyes off God, right? But then one guy, we'll use Eric, because this is his favorite story. One guy shows up to the battlefield with his eyes still on God, and the reality of this uncircumcised Philistine. Don't you love it? Don't you love the language? It's like so real. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? It's like your your boss at work who's not saved. Who who does he think he is? He's not going to get away with this. And and even if I leave this office, my God's going to find me a better job. He's not bigger than my God. Who is, who is this guy? Who, who is this? Who does this lady think she is? This uncircumcised Philistine. Yeah! Don't you love it? He took the giant's head off. He took... It says he raised it, turned and raised it up. <laughs> and then you know what happened? Whoosh! Momentum. The enemy starts running, and the army of God starts running and chasing after him. All of a sudden, an entire army is mighty, bold, and courageous. That's momentum, right? That's what momentum looks like. (laughs) I love it. All right, another story. How about the story of Joseph, um, Jacob's son? This guy, this kid has two amazing God-given dreams. He's on top of the earth. You ever had a dream, a vision from God, and you just knew a word from God? You're like flying high. And then his dad gives him favor, gives him this coat that's amazing. It's like, oh, I'm so blessed. Highly, highly favored. (laughs) Blessed and highly favored. What happens? His brothers get so jealous. Strife enters in to the family. Family. Right? Strife that's just meant to hurt him, but what they don't realize is God gave those dreams to Joseph, so there's a plan for Joseph that includes them. So when they take the bait of strife, They're not only trying to hurt Joseph. In the end, Satan's trying to take them out. Because if there's no Joseph, there's no plan for bread. Eventually. Right? So, I'd say, ooh, that could be a possible momentum buster. Right there. Right? I mean, they throw him in a pit. Possible momentum buster. That's what the devil's there for. He's going to try to bust the momentum of you, me, and this church. Because he doesn't want momentum for the church. Hello, right? We all know that. But Joseph survives, right? He survives the pit. He stays humble and humble. He goes to prison, pit, the prison. I mean, you would think it'd be a momentum buster for a lot of people. But Joseph just stays humble. 
and helpful. He goes to prison and he helps the captain of the prison. He's like a helper. So in prison, what's going on? He's developing. He's training for a leadership position, right? My son is always good about that. He's like, well, I guess I'm in development. <laughs> and I just laugh. That's our key word for doing something I don't want to be doing. It's development. So training, development. He's going higher and deeper with God. Years and years and years and years ago, and I might have told you this already, but God told me to go to the deep end, you have to depend. So your dependence on God has to grow. That's how you go deeper. Dependence on God. So the more you depend on him, the deeper you can go in the anointing, in power, with God. And so all of this is happening for Joseph because he's staying humble and helpful. And then he goes from the pit to the prison to the palace. Now we're talking momentum again, right? I mean, visually, momentum to most people. So God's plan is ultimately fulfilled, keeping his family alive, fed, prospering, ultimately delivered, right? I mean, they go to Egypt. They get a whole land from the Pharaoh called Goshen. Keeps them alive for years. And then ultimately, they get delivered from Egypt, right? And then ultimately, Jesus is born. Of these sons. What what would have happened if Joseph would have, like, let that that momentum buster bust his momentum? That, That was the lineage of Jesus him and his brothers, right? So what can we learn from Joseph? Stay out of strife, number one. Stay out of strife. Stay out of strife. Number two, can you believe Joseph? It never is recorded that he complained. Not one time. I don't know about you, but complainers don't usually get promoted. And he was promoted over and over and over again. Stay out of strife. Don't complain. Stay in faith in God. That's the key to not complaining. You don't complain usually if you have faith in God because nothing bothers you. Oh, no, mm-mm, God's got me. No, I know they say, but ultimately God's got this. God's got this. No complaining. Romans 5.3 tells us <laughs> that tribulation produces perseverance if you let it. And perseverance will produce character. Isn't that what we see in Joseph? And character produces hope, and hope will never disappoint. That's the story of Joseph. So keep your eyes on God and keep your heart right, right? Keep your eyes on God and keep your heart right, and you will experience maximum momentum, right? We at this church, I don't know if y'all are feeling it, but we are in some serious momentum. And I think that's why God is bringing us this, this teaching tonight, is because we are in momentum and we're gaining momentum. And so we have to be wise, Because God needs us to keep gaining momentum and keep it going and not be distracted by any ploy of that stupid devil, Satan, right? Because he's going to try because he sees what's going on too. He sees what's going on. So you can feel the momentum in the services. I know you can because I can. If you can't, oh my goodness, close your eyes and feel it. It's amazing. You can see it in the people's faces. You can hear it in praise and worship with some serious momentum. And we are being inundated with messages from this pulpit, with instructions on how to go higher, if we're listening. When pastor brings a message on being a disciple, like not all Christians are disciples, what is that? That's advance. That's going higher. Now, I know it takes a greater amount of commitment, and people might say, eh, but then what you're really saying is, I don't want to go higher. I don't want to go deeper. I don't want to be greater. And that's not, that's not, I don't think that's any of our heart's intent, especially this Wednesday night crowd, <laughs> right? So all of these messages are so that we're going higher, and we are going higher. The highest level attainable is God's plan for us, so is it, is it my plan for me? That's the only question I need to ask me. Is God's already told me the plan for me this year. Highest level attainable. 
That's his plan for you, Susan. Highest level attainable. And we just have to say, I agree. I'm going. I'm in. And then anything that, that, any message that comes is for you. It's for your benefit. It's to take you there. Right? But remember, the devil's not going to like it. So he's going to fight it tooth and nail so that you don't do what pastor just preached on Sunday. Do the word. Do the word. So we have to prepare for what the... There's, Joseph, there's no army that just trains according to their knowledge, right? They know their enemy, right? They, they research them. They know what they do. Any athletic team will watch, will watch scores of video on the other team, right? To figure out what their strategy is. Same for us, right? We can't, the Bible says, do not be ignorant of his devices. We know what his tactics are. Fear, strife, right? Pride. We know these things. We've seen them now in these stories and how they play out, and that's not what we want. So Jesus, I'll end it up with this. Well, not this one. I'll have one more. But Jesus was our example. And it says in the Bible, he set his eyes like flint to the mission. He was going to Jerusalem, and nothing was going to stop him. He kept his eyes on where he was going. He was teaching, preaching, and healing. That's a momentum. And he was set to go. And he knew he was going to die. And he told his disciples. And then what happens? Peter pulls him aside and says, this will not be. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Because he recognized it right away as a tactic of the enemy. What does he go on to say? He's like, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Let's face it. We all like comfort. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like hurt. Physical, mental, or otherwise. I don't like when people make fun of me. I don't, I don't really, really enjoy humiliation. Do you know what I'm saying? But Jesus knew all these things were coming. And it says he set his eyes. He set himself like flint to go forward. So if those things, the Bible also says, and I, might, I think Pastor may have mentioned it on Sunday, a disciple is not above his master. They're like his master. So if these things happen to Jesus now, I don't know. I don't know if a cross is in any of our futures, and we definitely won't die for the sins of others. <laughs> Done. But if these things are things we have to walk through, will we? Momentum. On the other side of that is life everlasting. Momentum. God said, if you won't deny me, I will never deny you. If you won't deny me. Right? So Jesus is our example of some serious momentum. And then last, last story. Last story for our example. You guys are going to love this one. Have you loved it so far? Okay. Acts chapter 2. Right? Acts chapter 2. Day of Pentecost. You guys know this story. Actually, it's Acts chapter 2 through chapter 4 I'm going to touch on. So here we have disciples. Now relate with me, disciples. Here we have disciples. Jesus said, stay in the city until it's poured out. So here you have disciples obeying the word. They're obeying the word. I'll say it one more time. They're obeying the word. Doing, when I say obeying, it means doing, not just talking about. Doing the word. They are waiting on the promise to be poured out. They're in unity. In unity. A core of believers in the upper room. What else are they doing? Praying. Praying. They're not trying to make anything happen. Let's face it, we can't make it happen. All we can do is what Jesus told us to do. You got to let the Holy Spirit do his thing, right? You just stay in the right position. And then what happens? A serious move of God. A miracle. Fire and wind from heaven. So much so that it gains the attention of entire city. 
And it says in that city that day were people from all over. All nations had gathered to Jerusalem for Pentecost. So you had people from all over. There was like a party going on, but yet the disciples were in the upper room praying. They weren't at the party. Just saying. So, after this happens, serious momentum. They come out of that upper room, and all of a sudden, there's no fear. No fear by disciples. And there's repentance. Once they start preaching, there's repentance by all these other people. These people, what do we do? Repent and be converted. Repent and be saved. And they do. So now we have more repentance. And then what happens? They all get in unity. And they continue in prayer. What happens after that? More God. Church growth added daily by God. That's a move of God. Then what happens? Peter and John go into church for prayer night. And they run into a guy. Lame from his mother's womb. This guy's over 40 years old. Sitting at the gate. And what happens? They raise him up. A miracle happens. A notable, undeniable miracle. And everyone sees it. This guy goes dancing, jumping. Can you imagine if that was you? 40 years you couldn't walk? Not only are you like walking, like trying, it says immediately strength came to his ankles. He was leaping. It's amazing. Undeniable miracle. They could not deny it, that this had been a miracle. Well, then what? Well, what we've been discussing. The devil doesn't like this. He doesn't want anyone to hear about this. He thought Jesus was gone. Keep it down. Right? Well, first, before that, Peter says, the crowd goes crazy. They're looking at Peter and John like, who are you guys? What does Peter say? Why are you looking at us as if we did this? Humility. All glory to God. All glory to God. Says, through the name of Jesus and faith in that name, this man has been made well. Right? Well, again, devil doesn't like it, so what's he do? He grabs them. He gets some people stirred up, doesn't like it. They were religious. They grab them, throw them in prison, throw them in jail. You would think, possibly, that this would be a momentum buster. I mean, headlines, Jerusalem news, Christians thrown in jail, humiliation, shame, whatever, right? Was it a momentum buster? No. No, church, no. Why? Why was it not a momentum buster? Because they refused to get in fear. They had complete reliance on God. They obeyed God. They stayed in boldness. What happened? They started to threaten them. Okay, this, this miracle is undeniable. I don't know what we're going to do about this, but we cannot have them talking about this. Isn't that just what Satan would say? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone about this miracle. Shh. Don't tell them what happened to you at church. Do you want them to think you're crazy? Shh. Not only that, but they threaten them. If you say any more in this name, you're going to wish you had it. <laughs> I don't know what they said. But they pretty much told them to shut up, right? They did not care. They went back to their companions, and guess what? They all started praying. You know the prayer. Lord, grant unto your servants that with boldness we may speak your word. (laughs) Stretch out your hand to heal. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. We'll have more to talk about. I love it. These are my kind of guys, you know? So more prayer, more boldness, more God. Continued unity, it says. It goes on to say, they continued steadfastly together. Fear came on every soul. Many signs and wonders were done. The miracle happens, it says, that, oh, I'm skipping ahead. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Only God can do that. God shows up again. Kind of exciting, right? Glory to God. Then what happens? So continued unity. It says now they all were in one accord. They had all things in common. They were taking care of one another. Oh, 
like my kind of church, right? They love one another, love God, love one another. Great power, great grace, continued testimony. And then this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, could not get it right. Come in, thinking they're going to get all prideful, like, look at us. <gasps> Sold the house, given to the church. Stuck a little in my pocket, but I'm not going to tell you that. And Peter's like, why did you do this? Why did you come in here? You didn't lie to us, you lied to God. And there was such reverence and holiness in that, that guy just died. Two people died. Now you would think, in this modern day church, people would be like, well, who does that guy think he is? He just killed two people. Peter did? You know, that's what they said about Moses. When all those people with Korah died that came against him, they said it was Moses. Moses is like, I didn't touch him. <laughs> Only God could do that, right? So you would think something like that happens, church, but not in this church. In this church in Acts, it says, it goes on to say, this happened. Great reverence came on the church and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. And they esteemed, the people esteemed the apostles highly. No strife, no disunity, nobody questioning this. That's that's a church that's surrendered to God, that knows who their God is, right? It's amazing. So more power happens, more momentum. Believers are doing amazing things, and guess what? They get thrown in jail again. They get thrown in jail again. And this time, they tell them, shut up. And then they beat the tar out of them. Momentum buster? Not this church. <laughs> those guys walk out of being beaten. And it says they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Church, can I get a church like this? They left rejoicing. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm rejoicing, it makes me laugh. When I think about what God's doing, I almost always laugh. They walked out of, shut up, we're going to beat the tar out of you, beat the tar out of me, laughing, rejoicing. I was counted worthy. I was counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. All I did was for Jesus, and they beat me. Wow. Wow. And then you know what they says? Daily. You would think after that, they might be a little quieter. Not these guys. Daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You guys, there's something in this Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the one that can help you. Let's get bold and loud about it. This Jesus can help you. Why don't you want Jesus? He's going to heal your body, help your family, restore your marriage. He can do these kinds of things, I'm telling you. He's done it for me, he'll do it for you. Church, don't stop talking. Don't stop talking. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. It's a momentum buster. We can't stop talking because we're gaining momentum and we can't get in strife and we're not gonna get in pride. And everyone that's anyone is gonna know who our God is because we're gonna tell them. We are not we're high and lifted up. This God we serve, we're going to be, he's going to be high and lifted up. And so the rest is history. And over 2,000 years later, we are sitting here doing the exact same thing they were doing then. This name is still being magnified. This God is still being served. And we're still sure of this Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So we've got to be like this early church, staying in unity and staying faithful to God. No strife, fear, or pride. Loving one another. Let's not get out of love for one another. Love one another. You know, I, there's a song, this Christian song that came out. And um, 
I think it's by Cochrane and Company. I think that's the name of the group. And in this song, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. But there's a line in this song that says, oh, it's take me back. Take me back to the place where I belong. It said, in that, it says, to the people I can depend on. And it's take me back to church. See, they're looking for it. They're looking for a God they can depend on and a people they can depend on. Please let that be this church. Let that be heritage. Let them say about us, go there. You can depend on them. The love is dependable. Let that so be us. Amen? Be a people that they can depend on. Be a, be a people God can depend on. That will not stop serving him no matter what. They will beat us and we will still speak Jesus. I will still speak Jesus. It doesn't matter what they do to me. I'm going to speak Jesus. It doesn't matter what happens. You've got to determine it now because the devil's coming. And that's really your only way out. That's your way to beat him, is to just keep speaking Jesus. Amen? Second Chronicles 16.9. You guys know this is probably one of my favorite verses. I probably say that about every verse. But God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. May he find us. May his eyes run to and fro and find heritage of faith. Find Jeremiah and Stuart and Daniel and all the rest of us. Hearts are loyal to him. And then let's give him Jesus. <laughs> right? Did you enjoy it? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not sure who I'm turning this over to, Eric. I just don't want to stop. I just want you to be blessed. Father, bless. Bless this your church. Father, pour out your blessings on us. Pour out your power and your anointing on us. You poured out the Holy Spirit on us. He's on us and in us. Father, let us receive of that boldness that we go out and experience the power. Church, the Bible warns us about a people who deny the power, who speak of the power. Who, how's that verse go? Talk of the a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. What's the power to do? What's the power for? To do the word. To do the word. The Holy Spirit came upon you and gave you power to do exactly what Pastor said on Sunday. Do the word. What does that look like when he says, don't say that? Don't say that. Sometimes it's not real big stuff. Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers. When he says, don't say it, employees, don't say it. And when he says, say it, say it. Say it. There's going to be power in it. And he's given you the power to say it so that he can confirm it. Amen? So let's not deny the power that's on us to do the word. He's given us this Holy Spirit to, con to do the word and conform the confirm the word. So, Father, let us experience this power. Let us walk in obedience and see the power. Father, come on our lives and be delivered into the lives of the people around us that they would see and know that you are God. Father, and we would bring a harvest of souls into this kingdom. Oh, Father, it's all for you. <laughs> it's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Satan wants to, us to think that we are powerless. That's a lie. He's lied from the beginning. He's the father of lies. And so we walk in this power every day. And some of us need to begin to see ourselves as the David. To stop looking around to somebody else and say, you know, who's going to do something? And he came in there, he says, who's going to, who's going to do something about this, uh, about this guy who, who has defied the armies of the living God? Hey, we're in, a, we're in a spiritual battle. You know, whether you know it or not or whether you like it or not, that's, that's irrelevant. But you have been given the power and the authority over serpents, over demons. You have been given the power and the authority to, to, to walk in, in the power of God and change your environment everywhere you go. I've got a friend that uh, he's, he just, 
he just gave up social drinking and, uh, Meaning, you know, go out, have a glass of wine with your friends. You know, we don't get drunk, but we just, you know, we have some wine, blah, blah, blah. He, he gave that up and pressed in to God. And so he said, I'm walking in so much anointing now that I, I walked by someone in the aisle at some store and they began to manifest the demon. So the demon sensed the the power and the authority and the anointing in this person because they made a commitment that they were wholly sold out to God. And that should be us. You know, walking in that power in this day that we live in. Because I'm just telling you, it's it's not just the momentum here. It's it's momentum all over the world that we're seeing. Uh, We just got back from Austin. Great services there on Sunday. I'm just telling you. And I don't want to, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on it uh, because of some silly little thing, some silly little habit. You are not powerless over, nothing has the power over you. Amen? Because Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan, all the demons, made a show of them openly. I got to stop. So, uh, how many of you, would you, I just, I feel like I need to do this. Would you stand tonight? And how many of you, uh, as we, with your, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you say, you know what? I, I need, I need a little momentum. I need a little momentum booster in my life. Would you slip up your hand tonight? Need a little momentum booster. Father, you see these hands. Lord, right now, I just ask, Lord, we loose your anointing right now over this congregation, especially these with their their hands lifted. Father, and I thank you you that you give them a booster shot of momentum, of anointing, Lord, of, of your spirit, of strength. Not only uh, strengthen their bodies, Lord, but, but strengthen their spirit, just like Jesus became strong in spirit as he, be, as he studied the word. And that's what we did tonight, Lord. We studied your word. And I pray, Father, that, that your word brings strength to your people tonight by the anointing of God. Lord, that they go out of here energized. Father, realizing, Lord, that, that these obstacles in their way are not so big and and can be overcome lord just change the uh, the perspective father and see you as bigger <laughs> than any obstacle and we thank you for it we thank you father I speak peace to everybody I speak peace to minds i speak peace to homes in jesus name and lord they'll Go out of here with joy and be led forth with peace. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Say this. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Because he overcame. He lives on the inside of me. And I go out of here tonight. And walk in this victory. That Jesus died and rose from the grave. And I walk in that. I walk in that tomorrow at work. I walk in victory in my home. I take it with me everywhere I go. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I just want to say one more thing. Monday night at prayer, and it reminded me when you said that because... First of all, I want to say to you, like God said to Gideon, mighty man of valor, mighty woman of valor, don't leave this place forgetting who you are. You are a mighty man of valor. That's how God sees you because he's with you. That's why I told you these stories tonight. You're going out. Know who you are. Don't forget who you are, you know, in him. And Monday night at prayer, God dropped a word 
one word into my spirit that day. And that word, and I told them this at prayer, was the word disruptor. Disruptors. And so when I looked that word up, it meant to separate with force. This was cra- This was Monday. Remember Sunday? And so, hallelujah, isn't that a good word? To separate by force. So that's what God's wanting to do. People who have habits, God's with you. Things you want to break free from, mindsets, whatever you may be dealing with, he's going to break you free with force. This is our year for freedom and the maximum. And to go into the next level, there's nothing going to be able to hang on to you. Amen? So on Sunday, so this was Monday. On Sunday before I ever even knew this word. Remember pastor called up people that were dealing with generational things? And I might never have gotten this word, that word for you on Monday that I'm now delivering on Wednesday if I hadn't been obedient on Sunday. On Sunday, when pastor was praying for this prayer line, I was standing at my seat. And the Holy Spirit, we hold this. And the Holy Spirit gave me the quickest of instructions. While he was praying for them, he just told me to do this. And the people around me can probably confirm I did that. I did that. I didn't know why I did that. I just went like that. I was almost so angry that they were dealing with things and I just wanted it gone. And the very next day, God said disruptors. And what is that? To break free with force. See, God's serious. He confirmed the word to me. Me, he, he made me do something first and then he gave me the word and now he's going to confirm it in all of our lives. Mark the day. He said it today. You're, he's going to break you free and you are a mighty man or woman of valor. So you go out and be that. Amen. Amen. And take, take your authority. Yeah. You know, you, you, you got the devil talking. You talk back to him. So you're not talking to me no more devil. You're a loser. You're a sucker. Because that's what he is. He's lost everything. He's going he's to burn in hell forever. We're going to be in heaven celebrating forever. So t- put him in his place. You let him speak to you too long. No, you're not going to speak to me anymore. You're not going to give me those thoughts anymore. No, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with you coming around. I'm done with you coming in my house. And lying to me. I'm done with you lying to my kids. Get your hands off. That's the way you talk to them. Instead of him telling us to shut up, you tell him, shut your mouth. Shut up. You don't have to be nice to him. He hates you. You can hate him back. You can't hate the person sitting next to you, but you can hate the devil. Amen. Go give them Jesus. Get go, just go. 